0: So I want to introduce you guys to a couple of people on the call. We've got Joel Wayne from Chapel Point. Uh, Joel, would you tell us just a little bit about uh, your uh, journey
1: and leadership in church uh, ministry? Oh, man, I've been doing this for about a quarter of a century now. And I was associate pastor in Kentucky after moving up from Georgia. And long, very long story short, I ended up going just outside of New York City, which is crazy that my brother Michael is right outside of New York City uh, because I pastored a church there for about seven years moved back to Kentucky. And now I've been in Michigan for six years as a lead pastor at Chapel Point here. And God has just, I tell you what, man, I love how God works. We were just talking about prior to this, how God struts. Well, God has strutted throughout my life in terms of showing me and putting amazing people around me who just have invested and poured into me. And uh, really blessed to be at a church right now where we're seeing how God can utilize leadership but also just a heart for him in a powerful way. Um and so that's a that's a quick rundown of of just my journey. Obviously we could get and get a lot more detail, but that's a little bit of it. All right. Pastor Michael, why don't you give us a little rundown about
0: your story, where you've been and how God's been working there.
2: Well if you were to ask you know the guys I grew up with, you know, what is what is Mike Rubino doing now? Uh, being a lead pastor and worker would be the church, wouldn't even enter into the conversation. You gave him a million guesses. They would have guessed wrong every time. You know, God's done a great work in my life. I have a lot, lot to be thankful for. You know, and I'm New York born and bred. I'm not, you know, Joel's kind of all over the country, man about town. You know, I'm kind of the guy from Brooklyn. That's just kind of where I'm at, you know, New York through and through. But I, I have can't a heart- tell. I can't tell from the accent. I can't tell. <laughs> at least I have an accent I don't know where, where you're from wow you? okay, just go ahead just go ahead and get personal that's fine now, that's let's it. just jump in man listen I'm in I'm in New York I'm in the mood to fight come on let's get aggressive come on, let's, do let's dance it. Uh, listen <laughs> I just I love the local church the local church changed my life mm. I was messed up I had some tragedy and, and I had nowhere to go and I couldn't figure things out you know and, and the local church came and rallied around me and, and changed my life and and, you know, as I got older, I started to see, hey, listen, uh, this this is really important. This is something that matters. And the Lord started calling me into ministry. So, mm-hmm. you know, I remember when, when I started telling some some pastors I knew, like, hey, listen, I think I'm called to do this. And the first response was like, really? Are you sure? Like, did God say it twice? Because I'm not sure. And I said, no, God, God said it twice. So we're good. Um, And then I got this. And this shocked me. Right? This shocked me. He said, why would you come you know, where are you going to go? The Bible Belt down, you know, down south, midwest. I said, no, man, in northeast. And I said, why? It's a graveyard for evangelism. Mm. And I remember thinking, yeah, but don't we serve a God who resurrects dead things? Isn't that kind of his calling card? Um, So the Lord just put it in my heart that, you know what? Mm. I- I'm not going to accept that there's no place that the gospel can't penetrate the hard soil. I'm not going to accept That churches are dying because the culture is changing, whether it's in the Northeast or across the country or around the world. Not Listen, the church is the bride of Christ. And I'm not going to let someone mess with Jesus' wife. You know, I'm down for it. I'm excited to meet you guys. Mm -hmm. We're like-minded, like-hearted. So I'm all about church revitalization, (laughs) replanting. Uh, You know, without strong leadership, not going to happen. You know, so I'm excited to be a part with you men. So thanks for having me.
1: Luke Bilbo, I I gotta tell you real quick. Here's Michael Rubino in a nutshell. Like uh, something we always say at Chapel Point is God can redeem anyone from anything at any time. Um, Michael Rubino and Joel Wayne, myself. We are we are examples that there's always hope <laughs> in
0: the name of Jesus, man. Amen. <laughs> uh, I love it. I love it. And, I, and one, I just I want to say thank you guys for your uh, the way that you guys interact and just to see the brotherhood that you guys already have and and my understanding of your story. It's just a short amount of time that God has really connected you guys in in a unique way. So give me like just a sixty second uh, overview. How did you guys get connected? A pastor from uh, West Michigan and a pastor from New York, but yet to be so like-hearted and like-minded. Um, uh, how did that happen, and, and why are you guys choosing to stay connected as um, as brothers to do ministry together, though you're miles and miles apart?
1: Yeah, Michael, you want me to? I'll I'll, I'll hit the beginning of this, and I'll let you pick up on it. If that's all right. So for years, and I know that my heart has been that revitalization that Pastor Michael's speaking about, and really jumping into leadership and to see churches. Um, that have been maybe hurting, struggling, plateaued at very best, recognize a new sense of call through conviction of Holy Spirit, jumping into that place Mm -hmm. and seeing that catalyst form of a spiritual awakening. And God keeps leading this church to have that type of role here locally. And God was letting me know, man, there's more to this. Um, We need it built on relationships. We need churches to go grassroots in a way and really start building partnerships and getting in the trenches together, shredding territorialism together, right? And Mm -hmm. and doing all these things. We talk about the racism that exists today. We can't even get churches to talk to each other. So how are we supposed to be part of the solution to all this, right? Well, Mm -hmm. uh, let's start having the real conversation. And so all of a sudden I go and I see one of my dear friends, George Russ. He's the executive director for the Metro New York Baptist Association we're having coffee together. And he's like, man, you've got to meet Michael Rubino. I was like, who's that guy? And he's like, man, he's this pastor of Long Island. You got to talk to him. You guys, you talk completely different. And one of you's covered in tats and you're not, and you know, you've got better hair than Michael. And he's telling me all this stuff. You
2: have, <laughs> you, have, you, have, you have hair period, which is <laughs> an upgrade.
1: <laughs> and he's like, you got to talk to this guy. And all of a sudden we connected and within a couple weeks, We knew, man, we knew, man, God was calling us together to be a part of something pretty cool. And everything that God had been laying on my heart for years and things that were happening, my brother Michael was doing already in Long Island. (laughs) And I'm going, wow, God, God is so good. Um, And Mm. it's already stirring, I think, both of our churches just to have that partnership together. So, yeah, Michael, what would you say to that, brother?
2: Well, you know. George George Russ, you know, in Metropolitan New York Baptist Association, he's just a man's man. He's ferociously loves the gospel. He loves the local church. Uh, You know, he has more languages in his association um, under one banner than some churches have members. Um, The guy is just incredible. And he's always been a brother. (laughs) I didn't even know he was going to connect us. And I remember taking that week and just praying and saying, listen, Lord, you're taking this to the next level. I I know, Lord, I feel it. We want to, we want to help churches nationally. We want to, you know, take this conference, take a next step and, and start coaching. We need Lord, we need something to bring us to the next level. Mm-hmm. And you pulled me the next day. Yeah. And it was just, we, it was like, I had known you my whole life within yeah. five minutes. I paced mm. in the North you know, there's a word for you, right? If anyone ever says <laughs> Narthex, they on. grew up in church, right? Yeah, you know this, you're a church kid. If someone says you in the Narthex, normal people don't know that word. No, That's a,
0: that's a true statement, Michael. I'm, I'm going to point more, you out on that one. You, you've you been around the church a bit.
2: Meet me in the Narthex and we'll go to the fellowship. Normal people say <laughs> meet me in the lobby, we'll have lunch. We yeah. have our own language <laughs> anyway. So I that's, that's it another
0: podcast to... that we'll do together to talk through that to help people decode the language.
2: <laughs> we need to have a Christianese podcast and we need to translate it. Right? Oh, so and then I just we need, and then, we need to sh- then we need to shred it. But anyway, let's get back to the point. So then you're pacing in the North. And 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 it was like, this is it, Lord. This this is what you are calling us to partner and work together, and then and then Joel is out of his mind. He's legitimately crazy, and I dig it. Like I totally dig it. And he was like, "Listen, I'm gonna fly with like four guys to New York. Like, are you free Monday?" And I was like, "It's Thursday. What are you talking about?" And, and next thing I know, I got some guys from Michigan, you know, chilling. You know, originally I gotta be honest, I thought you were from Missouri, but you know, whatever. <laughs> like Michigan was cool. I'm down.
1: it's a cool statement here's the thing michael i gotta tell you this man my whole life i've been in this again a quarter of a century i have been told by church leaders and other people within the walls of the church you need to slow down you need to slow down you need to slow down it is not time for the church to slow down it is not time for the church to slow down i'm going to say over and over again it's time for us to know the call of god on our life and to act on it to act Mm -hmm. on it and And that's what we were trying to do is all of a sudden we're up with you guys, and God lined up all of these hearts, what, total of that night, probably 15, 14, 15 people in a room praying together, calling out to God. And we knew God said, it's time to do something bigger than you, and it's going to give all glory to Jesus.
0: That's right. Well, I love what you're saying there, Pastor Joel, because that kind of leads us into what what we want to do here at BeTheChurch.org for the next uh, few weeks as we step into the summer is uh, helping church leaders uh, understand that we've walked through an unbelievable season of life where we've had to see ministry shift and we've had to see um, how we do ministry change. You know, uh, uh, Michael, you guys had to completely shift a conference that you guys have hosted that has a huge impact in the Northeast uh, to move from in-person to completely online your team had to pivot so quickly in order to meet the needs and to still continue to impact the churches. Um, and just even then our day-to-day ministry set, have had to look different where churches who said, we won't do any video or do online. All of a sudden, everybody's on doing video and online and, and the, everything has shifted in that. But what you said, Joel, to help us kind of transition into kind of the, the content that we really want to talk about today is leading change by conviction. And you said right there, it's not time to slow down as the church, but it's time for the church to do what God has called us to do. Um, And and that's a perfect tee-up that we can't do what we're called to do if it's not a conviction, if it's not something that we um, that the Lord has led us to to do. And so I want to just kind of begin walking, uh, just a couple of questions for you guys to process this real briefly. What's the difference between leading change reactively um, because of a situation or scenario and leading with conviction?
2: Let's even back that up a minute. Change is hard, mm. right? Change in the church times that by two, it's change squared. My church is traditional uh, by nature, where people get used to it. They like it this way, but this is where I sit. Try taking someone's seat in church. Some churches, they stare you down till you move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so change is hard. So it's not change by conviction. You're eventually going to quit because it's just not worth it. I, you know, would say church, that, I, I would
1: say that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. jump on that again, Michael. Say say that
0: again, Michael. What I heard you say is that change is hard. So unless you're leading with conviction, you're going to quit. Is is that what I heard you say?
2: You're going to quit because it's just it's not worth the pain. If it's not a conviction, right? So if you're changing for change's sake, right? Some people just change because they want to shake it up. Um, Shaking it up is not a strategy. Changing for change's sake ends up with a head-on crash, it, it just doesn't it doesn't make sense, you know, or, you know, being trendy. Right. Joel, how many times yeah. has a trend swept through the country and yeah. churches that have no context for that kind of change are doing it because everybody's doing it? Yeah, that's the I mean, gimmicks.
1: That that's the gimmicks. Right. And people yeah. start incorporating gimmicks. Well, as soon as you incorporate a gimmick, you're trying to figure out the next one to replace that one. And what's happening is people are even changing for the sake of trying to better stuff, but even then you're exhausted from it. We need to we need to know we're changing to move toward a call of God. That's the only right. time you're gonna the, you're gonna maintain the energy and the strength to continually move forward. So I, I tell pastors all the time. I was telling one last week. Write down right now. What's God calling you to that you must do in your ministry? What is it? Like write it down. If you can't write that down in a couple of sentences, you don't know. And that's what's gonna give you the energy to move forward and make the necessary changes. You don't make changes yes. to discover conviction. You you know the conviction, which leads mm-hmm. to the changes.
2: That's good, like that's, that's it. they have it reversed. Yes. Right. The conviction so, has to drive change because change won't work without the conviction.
0: So and, and let me I, ask you this. So let me ask you guys this. So are convictions inherent in a leader? Are they just there? Um, You guys are obviously passionate leaders and and you care a lot about it. Is that something that's just hardwired in you or can those convictions be developed as the Lord leads?
1: They grow just as you grow in your relationship with Christ. Every Mm -hmm. single time you may, those may come out of your mouth differently according to the type of personality that God has given to you, but they are there regardless. You look at, you look at scripture, those individuals had all types of different personalities, yet they were driven by conviction to lead their land, right? Abram, right? Or Moses, you you start walking through the entire Bible and Mm -hmm. different personalities, David, and yet they were still willing to lead by that conviction, even in the midst of mistakes. I think one of the greatest struggles Michael, I'll even look at you, man. I, I think so many people today, what we've done is we've replaced listening to God with listening to others. Like here yeah. we are, we're on a podcast right now, right? But what I would say, even on this podcast, is if, if you take, if anyone takes anything from this, is to go sit down and listen to the conviction from God more than just simply applying one or two new changes to your ministry that you hear from us.
2: The Bible is is timeless. The principles are timeless. They work in every culture and every generation. I mean, let's really just be honest, right? The church, because it's change resistant, is always one step behind. So it was like me. I'm one of five kids, right? I'm the oldest. So we had no money growing up. So whenever there was a trend or, you know, champion came, I remember when champion came, I'm dating myself a little bit now, right? I was like the last kid on the block. To have a champ- By the time I had a champion sweatshirt, it wasn't cool no more. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of churches, when, they, when they're following the trends instead of biblical convictions, by the time they even get around to doing it, it's not cool no more. They, you know, the next thing already started anyway. You, they end up spinning their wheels, man.
1: You did yeah. date yourself, though. But I want to affirm the corduroy pants that I see you wear all the time. <laughs>
2: oh, I'm, I'm gonna, man. I'm, I'm going to affirm the <laughs> Deny the corduroy pants. Oh, man. Oh. By, the way, by the way, let's be real. When we were kids and we wore that, those were hot. Oh, Ooh, yeah. corduroy pants were a good idea.
1: I, mean, I live in Probably South someone Alabama. In
2: Michigan, someone who lived in Michigan, where it's like zero degrees half the year.
1: I live in South Alabama. And in the middle of summer, my mom was like, here, we got to go to church. He put on the corduroys. I'm like, Mom. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> what
0: are you doing, oh, man? man. I just, I love the. This is uh how you guys even process that that convictions are not like the fads of clothes that you guys wore. Like there there's just good stark contrast there to bring <laughs> us back to this big idea. Uh, but you guys are I, I just love uh, the way that you guys <laughs> just interact. It's so fun to see this. Um, so uh, Michael, so I've heard some of your story, but it, it, thinking through it, I've heard you even say it like this: that no one thought, and that, and you said it earlier that the Northeast minutes are just a graveyard for churches, but that no one thought that God could move through the bridges and the tunnels, uh, but yet you've seen God do a, uh, a work in your church at Cornerstone. What would you say are some of those key convictions uh, as you stepped in and you've seen the church grow and to be revitalized? What are some of those key convictions that you would call to at Cornerstone? We must do this. This is where the Lord's leading us. What are some of those?
2: Uh, you know, the biggest one, the first one was the Great Commission is our mission. Mm. L- l- let's not get so—we could, we could express that differently, but, like, let's get back to the basics. Um, if we're not fulfilling the great commitment, we're evangelizing and discipling, um, then, we, then we're not doing what the local church is made to do. And I have a firm conviction that every local church is designed to meet that local community, that it is to be the heartbeat of that community. So I was just unwilling, unwilling um, to not be a church that makes disciples who makes disciples whose first and foremost goal is to reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, I got to be honest. If if that's your conviction, if that's your mission, because it's biblical, because this is what God is, it works. Not just for a season, but it works for an eternity.
1: Mm.
0: I love it. I love it. Just calling back. What are we supposed to do? And it do, that doesn't change, but how we do that, those may change. So, those aren't the convictions, but the conviction to be a local church for a local community. That's powerful. Well, let, uh, let, what me, about
2: let, you? let me say this a little sort of out there. And, and Joel, I want to just throw, throw this at you, and I think you'll feel the same way. Doesn't it seem like for the past 20 years, maybe 30 years, our methodology has driven our theology when really our theology? Should be driving our methodology. Is it not happening today?
1: Like today, what's
2: happening right now? We were talking
1: about this prior to the call. We're looking at all the chaos in our world, right? This is June of 2020, and there is chaos that's rampant. And right now, what the people of faith need to remember is, and this is a huge concern for me, but right now, what we're preaching is social justice. Social justice will never be the gospel. The gospel is what pushes social justice it's we it's it's no different with that than what we've been doing for for decades right and we're making the wrong thing central the gospel will always be central and we will always be broken without the gospel and so right. we it's it's exactly the same thing isn't it michael it's the same thing
0: yes over I love, the- so you guys are leading through conviction, and Joel, uh, you've talked about this. I've heard you say that, that we have de- default settings as leaders in ministry. Unpack a little bit for us. What does it mean to have default settings um, as a leader? And again, can those default settings, if they're not uh, in, in right alignment with the conviction, can those things uh, be shifted? And how would you recommend uh, seeing those things shifted?
1: Quick story. I go, I st- um, I've always gone to churches that were somewhat hurting and then jumped into those churches. And um, I, I show up for the first staff meeting, and the secretary had already put out everything. That's when we still call them secretaries, right? Um, the administrative assistant. Um, yeah, please.
2: If you could just clean that up for us, i yeah, appreciate
1: that. I, I will. As soon as you take your corduroy pants off. The, <laughs> so all of a sudden, Um, she's like, here, here's what we do a staff meeting. And she passed out all the calendars and said, we just talk about the next few weeks, make sure everybody's ready for the next event. And right then I knew, I was like, man, their default was the calendar, right? Their default was what did we do last year? Let's reproduce that. And I think everybody has default settings. Every organization has default settings. Every person has default settings. If you're stressed, some people run to the refrigerator. That's called a default setting. Some people get outside and they actually literally go for a run. Um, when they're stressed, that's a, it can, maybe a default setting organizations do the same thing. Some people who are quote unquote leaders in their church, things get hard. And so their default setting is to stop doing anything and just watch and see what everybody else does first.
2: Right. Mm. That's called
1: being a follower, not a leader. Okay. So just make sure that you're, you know, the difference between the two. Um, and so we all have default settings for us. We've learned. That prayer and discipleship is de- one of the default settings for us. Meaning, can't tell you how many times we huddle up with all the staff or with leaders and just start praying right mm-hmm. there. I mean, we we don't pray to start and conclude an elder meeting. We probably will pray five, six, sometimes eight or nine times in the midst of an elder meeting. We pray about everything. Oh, we got to pray. Man, God blessed us again financially, right? And we just we got to pray about that. Let's give praise to God. We just start praising God. It, it's we want it to be a default setting. So examine your default settings. I think that's what leaders are having to do right now. What are yeah. their default settings? Right, Michael? I mean, you have I know that you've yeah. seen that as well. We've spoken about it.
2: Yeah. No, it's, we, we go back to what we know. And unfortunately, over, over the past 20, 30 years, what we know is methodology, what we know is programmatic, what we know is trendy. You know, we focus on all the bells and whistles. So we got a faulty foundation. I mean, It's one of these things that we really have to get back to the original call. So we have to change to go back to what we were meant to be. And then once we find that biblical conviction, then we can change the other things. And we can get back to, hey, listen, this this music isn't working. This style of ministry isn't working. These programs aren't working. But as long as you have a solid conviction, what you change to— um, will be successful spiritually. And I don't define success the way the world defines success. You know, it, it doesn't have to be um, a two, 3,000 people in a church to be successful. I know, you know, those are great, and that's a great success. Um, but even if your church goes from 40 people that aren't reaching out to the community, but like 70, they're on fire for the Lord. Man, let's celebrate that too. Yep,
1: Yeah. yeah. So,
0: so let me kind of begin moving towards very practical as you guys talk about it. Um, and so here's a question I'll let you guys uh, process this. So what are some of those questions that we can ask ourselves as leaders to help determine what our convictions are? What are those default settings as you're talking about, Joel? Um, and, and as a way as you guys think through some of that, it's very cool to hear you, Michael, say the local church is meant to reach a local community. That would be a conviction. And so success is determined by how are you reaching your community? Again, it's not about how many people are in the church building, but are they reaching that local community? Because every community looks different. So I love how you, this is a conviction. We're here for this local community, and we're going to measure that based off that. Um, But it's kind of back to that question is, what are some of those uh, ways, what are questions that you would ask of yourself uh, that other ministry leaders can ask to help determine what their
1: default settings are and... Examine those. Yeah, let me, I'm going to jump on what Michael was saying. Actually, so if if it's if a local church is impacting their local community, if that's a conviction, here's one way you're going to know if it's a congi- conviction. So right now there are people who have good ideas, and we're confusing having good ideas with having a God given vision. Mm, okay, we're that's we're, a great confu- we're confusing that. Oh, I've got a vision. What's your vision? I want to hit the neighborhood down the street to school. I, I I don't know. If, I don't know if that's going to say, that, man, that's something that is just this conviction of God I got to go do it. I think that's a great idea. I mean, it's a biblical notion, but we got to make sure we know the difference. So if there's a conviction, you have ways to measure it, right? mm-hmm. it You have ways to measure it. If it's a conviction, that means it's so deep in you that you're, you're yeah. that way. So if 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 Michael Rubino in Long Island. They're saying, man, the school down the street from me, we have to impact them. That's a conviction I have. We have to impact them. I'm going to say, how are you measuring that? Uh, how, what's that look like? Well, we gave them lunch last year. Now, come on, that's not leaning out of conviction. That was called being a nice person. Right. So like, what, what is that? And yeah. how, you got to measure. What you measure,
2: what you measure yes. shows you what really matters. Yes. So, you know, we butts and seats styles and the plate. Yeah, those, those are both great metrics. Um they do have some spiritual components to them, but they're not they should not be the only things we measure. And, and I would say this, you know, when you look at what you measure, you'll find out what matters. And then what you'll see if you really start to pay attention is that your focus filters what you see. And what I mean by that is there's this great, there's this is great video. Um, it's on YouTube. It's called, uh, this is an awareness test. We'll put it in the notes underneath. Um, and, and they're going to ask you to count some basketball passes and you're going to find yeah. out how little you actually see. Because one of these truths about life is you only see what you expect to see. That's how people could be in a dying church for years and not know it because their 20 friends are still there. And they're yeah. legitimately surprised when you tell them something's wrong.
1: Michael Rubino. I came here very first week. I'm not not even hired yet. I came here six years ago. They're interviewing me. About 400 people show up on a Friday night to to watch me be interviewed. And I sat on the stage and I said, here's my question. How many of you have come to know Jesus, been baptized in the last two years, two to three years in this church? And one 11-year-old girl stood up and raised her hand was Mm raised in that church? And I wept. I said, "Stop telling me that this community and the lost people of this community matter most to you, when that's all that you can say, right? That you're not giving attention to the very thing that you say is a gospel mandate, right? It's it's what you're communicating right now." And I just, man, Luke, here's my thing. I want leaders to be courageous enough Mm -hmm. to be courageous enough to be honest with themselves. And if we need help, ask for help. Like Mm. I ask for help all the time, Yep. right? I ask for help, I I probably know my weaknesses more than I know my strengths. I ask for help all the time. And what what I'm seeing today is a need for people to go, hey, you know what, God called us to do this together. Mm. Let's learn what that looks like to partner together to even ask, right? We always say here, mature leaders invite accountability. Mature leaders invite accountability. And so that's when we say, hey, Michael, man, I, I think this is a conviction. Will you push on this for me? Like, what am I not seeing? What am yep. I not mm-hmm. seeing? Cause
2: well, it's called, listen, Joel, it's called inattentional blindness. It's a thing. And, and if, you, if people want to know like a practical example of what that looks like, call a real estate agent over. And tell them you're going to sell your house. Oh, and, yeah. And let me tell you, you'll find out. They'll say things like this. Hey, listen, are you going to finish that spackle in the laundry room? And you're going to say, <laughs> what spackle? Hey, oh, yeah. are, you going to paint? are you going to paint? Are you going to fix that? Are you going to finish that? For you, that wall is your wall. You don't see the spackle anymore. Yeah. You don't expect to see it. So you're absolutely correct. you got to get someone with fresh eyes yeah. to help you focus so you can filter what you're seeing yeah. in a healthy way.
1: When I was in Connecticut, I passed through Connecticut, I used to pay $50 to somebody to come in if they would just then give me 10 to 15 minutes of what they experienced once they left. Because you're looking at 2% who claim to know Jesus, who go to a church regularly, 2%. That's it. It's similar to where you are right now, Michael. And I go, okay, uh, help me. So I wanted to learn. I would pay people to come in and do that. And I would mm-hmm. just take, I would absorb it. It was hard to do. Sometimes they'd be like, well, I mean, like, I mean, you're fine, but I don't know what you said. I'm like, oh, that one, that one hurt.
2: Fifty dollars? What was that?
1: Nineteen (laughs) eighty? Hey, I bought four pairs of corduroy pants.
0: All right. Oh, you guys, you guys are great, man. So, hey, this has been just a fun conversation for us to process. Um, and, and we're going to be doing more of these over the next few weeks to, to address more and more uh, topics uh, as we walk through the summer. So every couple of weeks, we're going to release uh, some new videos and some podcasts with be bethechurch.org. And I'm excited to uh, for you guys interact uh, with these guys and interact with, uh, and maybe we'll bring in some other folks as we talk through uh, what does it really look like to be the church um, in these uh, summer sessions. So, I want to invite you guys to go to be the church.org. Um, I want to invite you to get a pair of corduroy pants uh, because that's what everybody's doing these days, apparently. I also want to invite you guys to uh, there, you can go to be the slash summer session, and there you guys are going to find um, some more resources. And, may, and we're going to put a list of the show notes there, and you will also find Questions to ask you and your team about how what our convictions look like and and how do you process that in your uh, in your group? And as uh, Joel was saying that mature leaders invite accountability. and This may be a great first step for you to ask the question. Hey, what would you say are the convictions that I'm living by as the ministry leader here at this church? If you can be honest enough and courageous enough to ask that question, as Joel was saying, man, can you imagine that what God is going to do through the humility that that takes um, and, and what God will continue to move through uh, through that time? So, again, go to be church.org for all the information. Um, and you can also check out uh, the other resources that we have there as we continue to move forward as a ministry to help you guys be. Uh, be the church. I want to say thanks to Joel and Michael for being a part of this conversation and look forward to uh, what God has in store this summer as we continue uh, these conversations. So I hope you guys have an amazing day and we will talk with you guys uh, real soon.